Live, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Funniest headline I saw today. Ozzy Osbourne spotted walking with a cane as he visited an L.A. art store, continuing his transformation into Sophia Petrillo. <laughs> Just... <laughs> uh, that's funny to me. Is it funny to you? If not, I can't explain it. All right. Jeff remains on vacation. Parts known, apparently. I said unknown yesterday, but apparently the parts are indeed known. So, uh, yeah, we're counting down to uh, opening day on Thursday. Jeff will be back on Monday. A reminder to everybody, as I was reminded of it when I got in my car this morning, and Kyle, for you as well, if you order fast food, and that's the last time you were in your car the day before, and you get into that car the next morning, oof. That is, that may be one of the worst smells a car can have. That may be one of the worst smells. It's the 12 hours later fast food in the car smell. I was victimized by it this morning. That, oh, that's, and then, and of course what you have to do is, then you start your drive the next day with all the windows down for like five minutes to air out the car. Scott, just get a, get an air freshener. Hang an air fresher from your car. Well, maybe. Or just don't don't stop for fast food the night before. That could be as well. Because in the moment, those McDonald's fries, oh, they smell good. 12 hours later or whatever, eight, nine hours later, when you get back in your car, there was a commercial with this, right? And you, oh, oh, gosh, it just turns your stomach almost to the point. Jeff says uh, gyros are also very bad in that respect. Okay. I've never had a gyro. Have you ever had a gyro? Are you a fan of yours? I've never had a gyro. Never had one. I have nothing else to say other than that. I've never I've never had a gyro. Um, people are, <laughs> that's nothing. should smell a wet dog in my car, somebody says. Well, maybe. I don't know. No, it's that fast food smell the morning after. That is really tough. Okay. Uh, do, do you agree with me on that? That I was just talking to Scafidi. Like, I want you to just think right now in your mind. What is something that got you worked up 13 months ago that you reflect now and, and, and think, yeah, not so much anymore. After everything I've been through in the last year, I just cannot get myself worked up on that particular topic, that issue, that problem. That problem is no longer a problem for me. And um, I may I may make a running list because right now I have those three things: scooters, the bird. What was it? Bird, lime, and there was one more brand. We we had like three companies competing for our scooter service in Milwaukee. This would have been the summer of nineteen, right? Bird, lime. Do you remember the third? And spin, 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 spin. Okay. All right. Uh, and now. Just because I was reading how Wawatosa is going to be giving it a test run, I guess, and and I thought, oh, 
I saw the headline. I go, maybe we should talk about this again. And then I thought for another second and a half and went, I just don't care anymore. I really don't. Because the last year has been what it's been. Can anybody really get worked up over scooters? I'm sure some of you can and some of you will. I can't. I won't. Then it was straws. I was on the papers. I was criticizing paper straws. I was upset about the ban. Remember remember the Milwaukee Common Council had put into effect a ban on plastic straws in the city? Remember that? Because there's a turtle somewhere that swallowed one and died or something like that, and it was ruining our sewer systems and whatever. Just put that in comparison to the last year. Who cares? I, I just, I don't care. You want to have plastic straws? Fine. You want to ban them? Fine. I don't care. And then the third is the streetcar. Streetcar. The streetcar, these are all pre-pandemic talk show topics, at least in this market, at least in this city. These are three topics that got us a lot of traction and got us a lot of phone calls and, you know, got talk show hosts good and juiced up. Scooters, straw ban, and streetcar, right? Oh, the streetcar. Now, do you want to debate the streetcar? Meh. I just, I don't have it. I'm sorry. I just, I, I, I just, I, I don't have it. I don't have it anymore. I, I don't. If you're against the streetcar, and I, I wasn't for it, lost that one. I think that's one of those cases where in life, politics obviously more than other areas but you win some you lose some lost the streetcar debate sorry folks if you were against it lost it's here now we deal with it i don't care about uh, debating it though anymore just it's a let's see here oh this is good all right the 920 hi scott for me the pre-pandemic hot topic anybody want to reflect 855-616-1620 scott for me it's players, some players, taking a knee at NFL games. Hmm? And that still enters the news, but I think post-George uh, uh, Floyd, do we really have that debate anymore? I mean, I know it still riles up a lot of people, but in hindsight, in comparison to what we've been through as a nation in the last year with the pandemic, I know there's a lot of people that have fatigue, and that's what we're talking about maybe with with, with that topic, maybe more fatigue than anything. But in comparison to the last year, is it really worth getting riled up about for taking a knee? Meh. Okay. That's a good one. Nine to... Okay, Jen. Here's a good one. Jen from Green Bay. Here I was getting upset, pre-pandemic, getting upset about the price I was paying for online streaming services and my cable company. But the amount of television that I have watched, um, I'm not happy about the price, but I'll quit complaining because I'm definitely watching more now than I had been pre-pandemic. See? It's perspective if uh, is what it is, right? It's perspective. Hmm. You got one? Is there something, Kyle? The um, Let's see. The the January 2020 Pachinski really got riled up about this. And now when we ask the the March 30th, 2021 version, you just kind of go, eh, whatever. 
Anything? Anything? Anything that just upset you? Or have you found a certain degree of perspective? And I think I would hope everybody has gotten a little bit better perspective on life in general and things that, you know, we do get upset about and things that we don't get upset about after what we've been through. Anything for you? Not that I can think of. I, I, I feel like... <laughs> I can only think of things that I've become more ornery towards, I guess. And I think one is the weather. Because, uh, I mean, when you didn't really have much to do about a year ago, I mean, we had a long, kind of drawn-out winter-ish. We didn't have an easy spring. We didn't really have warm temperatures until, like, late May, June got here, and then all of a sudden it was summer. So I became very de- dependent on weather mm. and doing things outside, and that sort of would set my mood, because if I couldn't really do things outside, I couldn't go anywhere and do things, then I couldn't really do anything outside. I had to be even more confined in my home. So I feel like that's something I've become much more attuned to in the past year. But, yeah, I can't say it, it bothers me too much, but uh, on days when, like, you know, t- today going to be a beautiful day right. somewhere around 60 i think in two days from now it's going to be f- around 40 degrees opening day yeah and i'm not i'm not jazzed about that but i know saturday's going to be 60 so I'm, i know that's going to be really really nice too mm-hmm. so i don't know i i feel like i've become more ornery towards weather in oh. the past year uh, oh you become okay so that okay so you're saying oh all right see so so you're becoming more amped up about weather yeah I can't, I can't really think of something that was Mm-hmm. To me, a very large deal before the pandemic. Well, that's because you're much more. You're a very mellow, you're a mellow fellow. You, you I, and I, I, I envy that in you. You're just kind of, you know, calm, cool, and collected. Am, is that fair to say? Sure. Never I'll, too high, never too low. I'll, you just, I'll accept that. Yeah. You, know, you kind of take everything in stride. I, I, I admire that trait. Um, yeah, you know, I think it's just an opportunity for us to go. What ticked me off a year ago? Not so much anymore for me. The three S's, scooters, straws, and streetcars. Okay. When we come back, what do they always say at family gatherings? Never talk about, was it politics and religion, right? Politics and religion. Never talk about politics and religion. Well, my friends, we are going to wade into the deep end of religion. Because, and Steve mentioned this on his show in the 10 o'clock hour, I know. U.S. church membership membership falls below majority for the first time ever. Ever. 47%. And I want to know why. I do. I want to know what has happened. What has happened? Everybody, you always hear, well, we're just, we're a godless society. We need more religion in our lives. What's the reason this or that and the other thing is happening? Why is that happening badly in our nation? Well, there's no more. They need God in their lives. Well, guess what? Church membership has never been lower. And I want to know why. I am really intrigued and interested to know why that is. So we're going to get into that in just a couple of moments. Scott Morrison for Jeff Wagner on a Tuesday. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right. I'd like to have a conversation about church membership. Because we are in a historic point here. Every year since, gosh, the 40s, 1940, I think. Every year since 1940, Gallup 
has done a survey. They've done a survey based on two-year increments. It's not an annual thing. They, they, they do it in two-year chunks. To track church membership. Church membership in America. Now, church member, the words, what do we always say? Words are important. Words have meaning. Church membership is different than church attendance, right? You can consider yourself a member while maybe not attending. Because as some of you have already said, well, look, the last year churches were closed for a good part of the year. But that would be more attendance. You can still, I mean, I, I, I remained a member and am a member of a church, even though I wasn't physically attending in person. But the numbers, you can't deny the, the shock of the numbers. So I simply want to know why. I want to know why. And I like, look, every topic any host does is contingent upon the quality of, and, and just the, your and your, I'm looking at all of you now, <laughs> your involvement. I, I want to I hear from those of you who maybe no longer are members of any church. You may consider yourself, uh, yourself still a religious person. Doesn't, I, it doesn't matter your denomination. Denomination, all denominations were, were taken into account, obviously, when Gallup does the survey. Maybe, maybe you stopped being a member and you've since rejoined. You're back. I want to know what happened there as well. But the bottom line is this. Americans' membership in houses of worship continues to decline. It's below 50% for the first time in 80 years. Last year, 47% of Americans said they belong to a church, synagogue, or mosque. Down from 50% in 18, 70% in 99. So just 20 years ago, it was 70%. And now we're at 47%. I think that's the one of the more particularly interesting things is that 20 years, in the last 20 years, 70% down to 47%. It used to be like 73% back in the uh, um, late 30s, early 40s. And it was about 70% for the next 60 years. And then we hit the 21st century, and now it is a steady decline. Like, it's a precipitous decline. So what happened? I... um. I need you to open up with me on this one, and I need you to share why you think that is. Maybe you are no longer an active member in a church. Maybe you've got a loved one or a neighbor or something like that. And, oh, we used to go to church all the time, and now they don't go to church anymore. Why? What happened? Hey, Gallup has a few reasons, and we can get into that, but I'd much rather hear your reasoning. We're going to get to how we can reverse that trend in a little while. But to do that, I just want to understand What's going on? Is it, well, blame the parents. Blame the, blame the generation before me. Back in my day, my mom and dad made us go. They don't make us go anymore, so now I'm a parent, and I won't make my children go anymore. Hmm? 855-616-1620 on the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is important, and I think it's an important discussion because... Religion in society is often used as the explanation for problems in society. And now, based on the very reputable Gallup organization, that, that, that polling company, stats prove it. Membership is down. What happened? Specifically in the last 20 years. There are no wrong answers here. 
All of you right now have a particular reason in your mind, and I want to know that reason. I'll make a little list here as we go and see if we can find any common themes. 855-616-1620. If you're on the line, hold on. We'll get the calls going in just a little bit. We've uh, got some texts coming in as well. So, 855-616-1620. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Lamar, Liz, Kate, hang on the line. Open lines for you at 855-616-1620. Many of you are mentioning on the text line specifically the generational aspect. As older Americans pass away and there are more younger people, well, isn't that going to just um, explain a, a steep decline in church membership? Yes, yes, but you may be interested, if not altogether surprised, to learn that even among those surveyed, and those born before 46, before 46, there's a decline there too. So even those that are older, even their membership is not what it was. Right now, we'll continue the conversation. Keep them coming. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Some of you on the text line have brought up, I'll I'll use the term hypocrisy to summarize it, the hypocrisy of church leaders in that you sit in the building, whether it's a a church, the, the sanctuary, and you sit in the pew and you are, again, I'm summarizing a few texts, you are, you are preached at for an hour and then you realize that those people who've been preaching at me, they're no better than I am. Several of you have brought up uh, having been Catholic, maybe still are, but no longer practicing, and the impact that the, the Catholic Church scandal had on your confidence in the Church, on your views of that particular religion and what it preaches and teaches, and Many of you, according to the responses, can't can't get yourself back. You you can't get over that. It, it's just it's too big a hurdle. The again hypocrisy is as it's viewed of the in this case the Catholic Church. But this is not just the Catholic Church as a whole. This is religion as a whole. So regardless of your denomination, and I'll tell you what I'll throw at this out there too. If you are a leader of a church, if you're a pastor, a priest, a rabbi, I'd love to hear from you as well as to your insight as to why you think this is. For the first time in American history, church membership is below 50%. First time ever. Okay. Why? Why? I think there are a lot of reasons. I know you have an idea, a reason. 855-616-1620. If you're calling, be patient. Got a lot of calls coming in. Kyle's working through them. Okay. To the phones here. Let's start in beautiful Orlando, where we talk to Lamar. It is beautiful today in Orlando, I assume, Lamar. I just assume it always is. It, no, it, it's very beautiful today in Orlando. Uh, I think we're dealing with a brisk 85 degrees today. So okay. Very beautiful. So what is your reasoning for this, This, um, you know, rather surprising, well, maybe not surprising, but it's certainly uh, eye-opening statistic? So give my background. I grew up in the church, uh, and I was a member of a, a, a large church there in, in Milwaukee for many years. And I, was a, uh, I wasn't a pastor, but I was a one of the ministry leaders at the church. I was very, very involved um, in the church and church business. And so in the simplest way to give this answer, it's a combination of things. 
one, obviously attrition, um, even though even though you said your stats said that even those that are older are also leaving the church. Two, as some of the texters have mentioned, the scandals, not just the Catholic Church scandals. There's been a ton of mm. uh, other churches that have had their pastors in, just engulfed in scandals. Three, politics has played a huge role in church, de- you know, declining church memberships. A lot of people don't want it. Like if their church takes a stand politically, they don't want to see that. And so they leave, you know, saying um, the only churches that seem to be gaining memberships is this, the ones that preach that prosperity gospel, the, the Joel Osteen churches of the world. Mm-hmm. They're growing while the rest of the churches that don't take that stance because the church, unfortunately, is a business. And they, they, people don't necessarily go to church for the right reasons, and, I, and I'm, I'm being careful in saying this. They go to church for, you know, for other reasons, and if you're, that message is not drawing people into the church and they feel you know, turned off or disappointed, they leave. And that's a combination of the things that the texters have, have mentioned. Hmm. Hmm. And it's unfortunate. It, yeah. No, it, it, um, it's interesting. I had not considered the political factor as... And you could certainly say in the last, you know, couple of years, obviously, as we become more, more political, or we're more politically aware, or we're more likely to be turned off by someone or something, if politics ever creeps its way in, maybe there are people that are attending their particular place of worship, and they're watching or listening, and and their political rabbit ears, uh, Lamar, perk up more right. quickly than ever before. Right. I mean, I I think the church was always look, the church was always political. There are politics in religion and always have been. But maybe maybe uh, parishioners now are are more likely to pick up on on some of it and more likely to be turned off, perhaps, by some of it than in our lifetime. Right, because we're 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 more hyper partisan as a society. Mm. And so we, it's, it's, and it's crazy, even in church, it's kind of like, okay, pastor, I want you to take a position on this. If the pastor decides, you know what, we're a church, we shouldn't be taking a position on this, or this particular candidate, we're going to stay out of it. Okay, I'm upset at that. You see what I'm saying? Or, or, or vice or, versa. Or, I, I, I say, or vice versa. Or right. I'm going to church because it's the one hour a week where I don't have to think about politics or be... Uh, you know, put in a position to choose how I feel on it. It's the one. It, it's my refuse. It, it, it's my. Or, I'm sorry. It's my refuge. It's not my refuse. It's my refuge yeah. from politics. And so it's also maybe the other side of the coin. Right. I wish it were. The, I wish that were the case that people did get, go to get away from politics. But unfortunately, we're we're becoming more. We're becoming more and more political as a as a country. And so people want you to take a position. You mm. got to choose one way or the other, and it's it's sad and it's unfortunate. Mm. Thanks, and Lamar. Person, I, I hate that, that people yeah. leaving. Thank you. Hey, thanks, man. I, I appreciate hearing from you. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Why? Why is this happening? Liz is in Delavan. Hi, Liz. Good afternoon. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. So, what would be your explanation? Liz, you there? Oh, Liz, do we lose her? All right, we'll let her go. If Liz calls back. We'll put her at the top of the uh, top of the line here. Uh, Kate is in McGuanago. All right, Kate, how would you explain this uh, this trend? And it's it's gone down in a hurry in the last twenty years. It is a trend, and it is unfortunate. And by the way, it's beautiful in McGuanago today too. <laughs> okay, um, Orlando and McGuanago, two no, beautiful I- spots. 
you know, first off, just a little uh, message earlier. One of your texters said that they don't want to be preached at. I guess I've never I've never looked at churches being preached at. I've looked at churches being enlightened. I'm looking for a message. I'm looking for a sense of community. I'm I'm looking to be surrounded by people that are perhaps trying to take the right steps or be enlightened and have God in their life. And I know that we can have God in our life whether we go to church or not. I grew up in a household, I'm 64 years old, where you had to go to church. And believe me, there were many times I didn't want to, but I am so grateful, grateful, grateful that I had that experience. I had parents that were very involved in many levels of our church. And I'm, I'm grateful. That was my childhood. Um, I went to I went to Catholic grade school. I went to Catholic high school, and yes, there are scandals. There is hypocrisy. So, so what was no so what, what Kate, religion? Let me ask you what happened, Kate, because you've done a nice job of saying you know why you seek out and and what are the reasons you seek uh, worship, but why do you think so I, many aren't doing it anymore? I think I think because God has become unpopular. Hmm. I think that as we've opened up our thoughts to different, uh, a different type of presence in our life. A lot of people say that they find God, God is in nature. Um, God is, their God is Buddha. They're, they're, we have expanded. We are no longer, we are no longer just the Catholic faith, the Lutheran faith, the Protestant faith. We, we have expanded. I think that's part of it. I think the pandemic has a little bit of a part of it too. People got very relaxed and, oh, geez. I really don't have to go to church now because guess what? Church is closed. Um, maybe, maybe that's a little bit part mm-hmm. of it too. Mm-hmm. But I, I believe, I believe people have unfortunately become become more negative. I, I do believe that. I, I, I believe we've become more negative. I believe we've become a little bit hateful, and I think God has become unpopular. Unpopular. Thank you, Kate. I, I appreciate your perspective. The unpopularity of God. There was a. I, I agree with her in that there was a time where, if you were not, you don't go to church. <gasps> you don't go to church. What? Now, you go to church. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. We continue. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. How about this from the 815? First, people do not understand God or religion. They think if God is so good, why does he let bad things happen? There is no understanding of that. Although I would counter that by saying, I think that's the age-old question. I think that's a question that has been asked since... So it's Adam and Eve. Right? God is so good. Why does he let bad things happen? I think that, that has been asked since the dawn of time. Secondly, younger and younger families and younger adults don't have time, quote-unquote, for church or God, for that matter. They're free, and they want to make their own decisions, and those don't include God. And some of you uh, have also texted in the, there's more to do on weekends now. It's tougher for families to find the time to be a church member than it was back in the day. For, you know, they got the kids and sports and soccer and basketball and 
scouts and all that other. It, it's just it's tougher. There's more things to do. And somebody said, I don't think it's accurate. You compare this to like the 30s or the 40s. Cities would shut down, right, on Sundays. Nothing would be open, relatively speaking, on Sundays back in the day. Because there was that observance that, okay, we're not going to get business and maybe we shouldn't make business on, on Sunday, on the traditional worship day for that religion. Maybe that's also a factor. All right, let's talk to Bev is in Brookfield. Hello, Bev. Hey, you know, I think we can learn an awful lot about why people may drift away from church when we look at what it was that pulled people to church in droves. There are really two principal times in our recent culture when people couldn't pack the churches full enough. The first was at the time of Pearl Harbor, and that was already a pretty heavy-duty church-going time. Mm -hmm. And yet after Pearl Harbor, church attendance, uh, if we're to believe the statistics, and I think we can, uh, went up 30 to 40 percent in terms of regularity of attendance and new people attending. It was a time of fear. It was a time of uncertainty. It was a time of absolute acknowledgement. I can't ensure that I'm going to be safe, that my family's going to be safe. I don't have the resources to do this. I'm going to give God a chance here because I got nothing. And everyone else is pretty much trusting that church is a place to be. Then you look at 9-11, right? We can remember the days of 9-11, and we weren't certain when another plane was going to crash into another big glass building, and we weren't certain if there was going to be some major meltdown in terms of terrorist explosions across the country in our football fields. And what happened? Exactly the same explosion in attendance happened, exactly the same spike in response to a crisis for a period of about eight to ten weeks, at which time people once again realized... People found religion. I'm scared. Right. People yeah. found... So, well, okay. said there's no atheists in potholes. Right. Okay, so... so other than that, like in the last 20 years, other than that blip on the radar post 9-11, what, what happened? Or what is happening then, Bev? What happens in large part is that people have defined their needs in a very different way and have discovered that they are capable of meeting the needs that are important to them. And their needs and their goals are not always in sync with what the church is teaching about goals about purity of life and marriage and children and fidelity when they're looking at building wealthy portfolios and uh, stomping on their neighbor to advantage themselves. And it's the culture of me, 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 the unholy trinity, right? Mm, the me culture. Thank you, Bev. I, I, I appreciate it. I'm going to squeeze in, uh, let's see here, uh, Lucy. Hey, Lucy. Hi there. Um, I'll, I'll try to be brief. I have lots of thoughts on this. You drove away, or the church drove away, a lot of young people over the social issues and then the sex scandal on the sex scandals in in the Catholic Church and a lot of Protestant churches, too, to be fair, um, sort of confirmed people's beliefs that you didn't have to listen to those preachers or those guys or the church. But for a lot of people, the, the me, me, me culture is, of course, part of it. Um, also, there's not the social opprobrium attached to not being part of a church. And last, a commitment to a church is a commitment. Uh, it's a, if you participate, you find that it's a community 
and that you have the joy of being something bigger than you are and that it's not all on your shoulders to figure your way in the world. But you have to make that commitment first and you have to go. Mm. And I see a generation of people, I'm, I'm old now, but I wasn't old when I went back to church um, a number of years ago. And um, what I see now is all of this claptrap about, oh, I can be spiritual in the park. Well, yeah, you can be spiritual in the park, but it, it's not the same. And I think it's a huge loss. By the way, my liberal Episcopal church is growing. And we have many, many refugees from the hardcore evangelicals who have come over because they, they couldn't, couldn't stand some of the politics and the social, the, the social strictures um, in, in those churches. Yeah. But not, I'm not going to say all mainline Protestants, mainline churches are growing because they're not. We've experienced the greatest loss. Um, so let me ask you this real, real quick, Lucy. Let me ask you this. Here we've just spent a half hour talking about church membership falling. Do you have to be a member of a church? What is the value of being a member of a church? The community, the commitment, because they want something from you. And in return, you get a whole lot back. You get a circle. You get not only a way to spiritual enlightenment, probably the only free live music that's left on the planet, um, and, and great music. If music is your thing, that can lift you right into the spiritual realm. But being a member means you've made a commitment. It's, and, and again, if you become a member, they want something from you, and they give you something back. It's, it's not the same as dropping in on a service or church hopping to hear the preacher. Thanks, Lucy. Like being married, Scott. <laughs> Thank you, Lucy. It's good to hear from you. All right. So now we've discussed why. Why is this happening? Do you have to be a member of a church? I mean, is that, is that important? What is the value of being a church member in the first place? I mean, maybe the entire premise of this whole thing is just, is who cares? So what, Scott? So what? So church membership is down to 47% in America. For all the reasons that we've just outlined and more. But who cares? So what? I still pray. I still read the Bible or whatever my religion is. I read that particular book, the good book, right? Is it necessary? Is there is there a value in being an active member of a church? Or or has that just kind of run its course? We're going to keep this going, because I'm going to get into that. And then I want to know if there's anything that we can ever do to reverse course. Is there anything that can ever, ever, ever change these stats moving forward? Stick around. This is a great conversation. Appreciate everybody who's commented so far. We will continue. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Wallace. One of the interesting texts that I have gotten as well, actually a few of them, and it revolves around the concept, kind of the political reason given we're talking here as the first time in the history of america america 
that U.S. church membership is below 50%. And we have gone through a whole bunch of, of reasons here. You, great call. Great texts. I can't get to all the texts, even. They're so good. Our values have changed. Uh, social issues have caused people to leave the church. The me culture. It's a commitment to be a church uh, a member. You have, to, you have to go. You get involved. There's a commitment there that people aren't willing to make. For some, maybe, scandals and overall hypocrisy is seen. Uh, the pandemic, in the last year anyway, has uh, you know redirected uh, people. They, they don't feel a need for it. I, I'm able to do things online, pray, and, and worship on my own time. I don't need to be a full-fledged member of a church anymore. Somebody said, God is just flat-out unpopular. But somebody also, and many of you actually on the text line, suggested it's a political turnoff. In this hyper-political era, we see almost everything, sadly so, through political lenses. And even if that means going to your place of worship, and whether you want your church to take a stand, and they won't, so that's a turnoff, or... You go there as a place of refuge, and they get political, or you hear it as political. That turns you off, too. So you kind of you get it on both sides, both, both, both ends of the spectrum there. Few texts have said, you know what? Because we are at a point now in society where church equals Republican. And if I go to church... People are going to think I'm a Republican. It's it's just one and the same. So again, through the political lenses. But I, w- I want to take a different approach now, okay? We've dissected a host of reasons why we are where we are. 47% of Americans claim church membership. Now my question is, what do we do about it? What could be done about it? Okay? Again, does not matter your denomination, whether you are an active member, whether you are no longer an active member, whether you're a eh, so-so member, maybe. Easter's coming up. I'll go this weekend. But other than that, I'll see you at Christmas. Wherever you are, what what could change your mind? I'm serious. What could change? What could get you to become a member of your particular worship site? An active member in your particular church. 855-616-1620. We have kind of diagnosed the reasons for the issue. Now, what's the solution? All comers here. Let's brainstorm. If you were to give advice... To the, pol- I'm sorry, was that political? Yeah, the religious leaders in America. What is your advice? You don't like the fact that 47 percent of Americans are church members. You don't like the trend of this trajectory, and it's not good in the last 20 years. Okay, then do this. More of that, less of that. I mean, does it simply come down to make more entertaining services? Maybe for some people, oh, I got to go sit there for an hour or more and listen to that boring music. Come on, spice it up a little. There's nothing wrong with having live music in the sanctuary. I don't know. Maybe for some people. 
855-616-1620. And as we like to uh, say, right, when you brainstorm, there are no wrong answers. There are no stupid answers when when you have a brainstorming session. So let's brainstorm. What can a particular denomination do to increase its membership? 855-616-1620. All right, Danny, he's in West Dallas. What could what 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 could we do or what could they do, Danny? Okay, I've seen this from the inside uh, for all my life. I am a professional musician. I've been performing for churches ever since I was eight years old, and this is for every denomination humanly possible. Now, I was raised. My dad was Irish Catholic. My mom was Orthodox Jew. Uh, so basically I drink heavily to compensate for the guilt. Um, now, like I said, I played in every denomination and I think the the basic thing that most churches could do to help with, with, uh, membership would be modernization. Now, what does that mean? Some churches, you, what is that? Well, what does modernization mean? It's a, it's a, it's a flashy word, Danny, but what exactly does that oh, mean? Yeah. It's a few different things. Um, now, back in the 60s, uh, the Vatican okay. tried to bring D- in D- more... Danny, Danny I, 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 I got a lot of people to get to. So what could they do today? We're at 47% going uh, considering church membership. In, in, in What could they do? What could be a change that could happen here in this year that could change things around? What would be your advice? Okay. Two basic changes would be, one modernization in the preaching and the idea that, okay, you preach about what happened, you know, 2,000 years ago, but then show how that actually is represented today. Um, at the church I, I work at now, that's exactly what happens. Now, along with that, you have the music. Now, there's some churches that play the stuff, you know, for the past 100 years, the same boring hymns that you talked about before. My church does a mix of not only those old hymns, but then the newer stuff that's played on the radio. Now, along with that, they have screens that are up in the front of the church okay. so that people can, you know, read along with the lyrics and so on. There's also, you know, certain things, uh, PowerPoint things that go on with what the preaching mm-hmm. is. But then I even mix in a little bit of, like, Southern Gospel stuff with what's related to what's being preached. So the people are getting a nice, different grouping of, of live music in there, which right there kind of energizes everybody in the first place. So you kind of so like hit said, on three modernization things. Modernization in the preaching yeah. does Modernization, it Danny. Three things you hit on. And I appreciate the call, man. I appreciate it. Three things. Modernization, and Danny says the message. Instead of focusing on what happened 2,000, 3,000 years ago, take that and apply it to today. Put it in the current times, Right. Make that message something more tangible as I'm sitting here in 2021 than hearing a story from a long, long time ago. The music and technology. I think there's something to technology. And it depends maybe on your denomination, your religious affiliation as to where you are in the uh, continuum of embracing technology. Because I know there are certain religions and certain denominations that have gone kicking and screaming into the technological age. It's okay to have a video screen up front and have, I don't know, 
Maybe an image, maybe an artist's rendering. We have Easter coming up, right? Maybe an artist's rendering of the crucifixion or the resurrection. And have that up there as the preacher gives their message. It's it's visually stimulating. I I think there is something to that uh, to make it attractive uh, to uh, parishioners. Yeah, I think it's been uh, it's been a long time since I went back in, into a church or the church that I regularly attended. But I think the height of the technology that they used was maybe a PowerPoint during the sermon, um, which didn't have videos or anything. It was just you know the floating points. And then also, I think what Danny said with music really struck a chord with me. Like I, mine was very pun intended. Hey, there you go. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I, I went to a non-denominational church that um, was very. Um, Old in its ways, I would say. Uh, we would sing old hymns, which to me was fine. Singing together as a group, that's great. But they were adamant that we couldn't have modern instruments. We couldn't have like a drum set or anything like that. The only music that would be happening would either be from a piano or maybe a guitar. Or some people would just sing a cappella, and that was it. Uh, that, it was very, very traditional in the sense that you could not have new-ish instruments because that came from a secular world Hmm. and again that what is allowed based on beliefs will vary from church to church from denomination to denomination from religion to religion so again there are some religions that will be open to doing some of these things and some will say look that that's a non-starter but even those who say no some of those things are a non-starter there's got to be something there has got to be there's got to be something so your advice what what can the church, generically speaking, do to attract more people? A little modernization is how Danny uh, started this one. 855-616-1620. See, we have to do more than just talk about the problem. Do more than just complain about the problem. Let's offer up some solutions. Let's go. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Uh, 920 says, uh, Scott, churches must stop preaching hate if they want to increase numbers. Stop hating LGBT people. Stop hating teenage pregnancy. Stop telling its members it will go to hell just for living their lives. I, I think there is something, if a church, if a synagogue, if a parish is looking to grow membership, I've always felt that the message of hate the sin, love the sinner, right? You love the person, you hate the sin. If that message penetrates, then you don't paint yourself as an organization that hates LGBT people, hates teenage pregnancy. Because, look... That texture, and I know there's more of you that probably feel that way, that texture speaks for a lot of people. And and there might be many of you now in churches go, well, that's not true. We don't hate LGBTQ people. We hate the sin. The problem is the perception is the reality. So it's a matter of cutting through the perception. And it won't be easy that you hate the sin and you love the sinner, and we're all guilty of that, sinning, of course. You hate the individual act itself, but you love the person, right? That's true, but K 
Can you get that message across? That would be one thing I would maybe suggest as being a way of revitalizing church membership. 855-616-1620. Gianni's in Montello. Okay, Gianni, what is your advice? Where would you start trying to turn this trend around? Well, great topic during Holy Week, um, Scott. And I'll be, uh, unlike your last verbose caller, I'll I'll get right to the point. I'll be terse, distinct, and brief. Uh, Adopt the business religious model, a business slash religious model of Joel Olstein, the prosperity gospel. He's down in Houston, and um, he's very effective in garnering um, new members. Um, he's positive. Um, he's uplifting. Uh, he's a great speaker. That's not what I got when I was in, you know, attending church as a young man. So, um, what say you, Joe Olstein, that model? What about okay? Because you're right. I mean, he. I don't know how many thousand people pack that facility down there, and then there are others, you know, like him. I don't know if there's anybody more high profile than him at this, you know, point in time. What about people who would say, I'm turned off by that, Gianni. I'm turned off by that because they're just in it for, uh, they're in it for the bottom line. I mean, they're, they're looking to make money, let alone actually save people. What, what would you say to push back in that respect? That, that they're in it for maybe more of the dollar than, than a higher purpose? Well, I, I think then there are other options. Um, but, uh, you know, there are, I actually, I am a big uh, supporter of, of relevant radio. When I'm not listening to you or Jeff or Steve, I'm listening to to relevant radio out of Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but but I, I think there are other alternatives. If you don't like what he's doing, um, that that's fine. But he he has obviously come up with a, with a, with a, a way to communicate spiritually. Um, I, I use that in quotes with 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 um, people that may not have been exposed to uh, Christianity or religion before. So uh, he's doing something quite right. And if if you don't like it, I, I, I you know I, I I've watched him on television. I've listened to some of his his speeches and that. But whatever he's doing, I think um, perhaps mainstream you know the Lutherans and the Catholics and and the Baptists maybe they need to move a little bit more towards his his uh, service model you know w- with the music um you know it, it make it more of a uh, you know almost like a spectacle that you you want to come to church mm-hmm. um well, I, I think as that opposed to sitting in in, in the, right. the, the the very hard uh, uh pews that i i sat in uh, <laughs> make, <I'm> sure <laughs> make the pews right 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 thanks thanks gianni yeah I mean, if you really want, make make the seats softer. Put some cushions in those pews if we're going to just get that specific. All right, let's get one more call here. Uh, Vincent on the northwest side, what would be your one piece of advice for church in general, church across the board, to increase membership? Uh, good afternoon, Scott. First, I'd like to say that I believe there's too many churches and too many theologies too many different ideas out here. I think, it, first of all, it dilutes God's message from what he attended. But the fact is, I think whenever if people want to bring back members to the churches, I think they need to come back to the people. They need to come back to the community. I think the fact is, especially in Milwaukee, the churches have abandoned the community. And I disagree with that last caller. The fact is that the, 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 the prosperity churches 
are thinking more about what kind of edifice they can build, what kind of what what kind of money they can bring in, what kind of car they drive, what what what, uh, uh, what famous person that I can have in the pews. The fact is, it's not about God, and and so and so I think the fact is, if churches got back out here and got back that, back to grassroots and understand that we need to take care of community issues and community problems, that the church would rebuild itself where we build itself because people have to have a reason to go. And if you don't have a reason to come to church and, and, and to come to church, the fact is, is that uh, then why be there? And so the, the, the church has to get back involved in community problems and community issues. And I think that's when you see the churches growing, especially in Milwaukee. There is no replacement for that individual connection. Like, if 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 I'm an unchurched person and I can now put a face and a name with somebody who wants me to go to church and with whom I've forged uh, maybe maybe a, maybe a friendship altogether but some sort of relationship I'm more likely I would say to try it I'll try it because Vincent invited me and when I go on Sunday or whatever day the, the service is when I go Vincent's going to be there and he'll show me around, and he'll uh, tell you know introduce me to people and things like that. Because now I have a personal investment in another person, you, Vincent, if you invited me, and that individual one-on-one relationship can make all the difference in the world. That that's evangelism, right? That's that that's what brings people in at the very mo- most very basic basic level. And I don't know if there's any. Any replacement for that? We've talked about larger ideas, modernization, the message, the music, technology, maybe the model as a whole. But those are much grander ideas, and I think there's validity in all of them. But you bring up something that is at its very heart the most basic way to grow the church, to grow any religion, is have you, the one person, reach out to me, another human being, Tell me about this religion. Tell me about this church. Invite me there. And now I have a, I, I have a, a singular connection with a member. And now exactly. I show up. Now I show up. Vincent, thank you as always. I appreciate your perspective. And I thank all of you for that conversation. That was, um, that was insightful in a lot of different ways. And maybe, maybe there are church leaders out there that have been listening for the last hour, hour plus or so. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So many great texts, and I I really appreciate it, and uh, a lot of great calls. That was that was a conversation that uh, I, I appreciated having. So does it change? The moral of the story, the moral of the first half of the show is what? Is this, if we do this again in March of 2041, will we look back at the last 20 years and go, wow, we were down to 47% in 2021, and here we are back above 50%. I hope so. I know this. I know and I believe that our society, America, is better if there are more people going to church. If there are more people that are church members, America is a better nation. That's my belief. Do I think that'll be the case in 2041? Count me skeptical. But, who knows? 
We'll tee that up as a topic that year. Okay. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. Okay. So you ask, Mike, can you celebrate? Is that. Can I celebrate the fact that as of today, uh, Governor, well, sorry, as of Monday, but today Governor Evers announces that everybody, we can all get the vaccination on Monday. You don't have to wait for classifications anymore. Nope. 1A, 1B, 1C, 2F, 3R, it doesn't matter. 3R was the roughest one. Well, it was. 3R, I don't even know who qualified Slim as Slim margin. <laughs> but now we can all get it. We can all get it starting on Monday. No matter your age, your, your, your BMI, it doesn't matter. So you ask, can we celebrate that? Without saying a, yeah, but remember, we're at approximately 550,000 deaths in the United States. Yeah. I think absolutely. I think absolutely you can. And I I think you can never, and and we shouldn't ever, remember those who have lost their lives. And I realize there's many of you who have not been touched by this thing, whether it was you got it yourself or I mean, whether you didn't get it yourself, or nobody in your direct circle of friends, nobody in the family, and things like that. I've been blessed that I haven't been sick. My family has not been sick. I know people that have gotten it but did not get extremely ill, and we're not how. I don't know that I have to think here. I'm not sure if I know of anybody that was hospitalized with COVID. At least in my circle of you know friends, family, things like that. So I've been blessed in that respect, and so you you can celebrate a day like this or a day like Monday. You can do that without the yeah, but when you talk about it as a whole, though, you can't forget, and I I don't think you can let yourself forget. But I don't I don't think it's a yeah, but situation. Why do you feel, or maybe just in a news sense? I, I think a news sense is one way. A reporting, whereas just in my everyday life, I think it's it's fine to celebrate the, this development of the vaccination and the fact that we're a year later and everybody's now eligible in our state Monday. Yeah, I I only ask because we I was I was reading an interesting story. Um, I forgot what newspaper it was in, just about the tenor of what reporting has been mm. like with coronavirus in the past year and the outcome and the analysis ended up with it being overly um, overly down. As opposed to a lot more focused on the negative than it is some I of the see. positives. So mm-hmm. I didn't, as a well, broadcast professional, Scott, I just figured I'd ask you if you felt, <laughs> okay. you know. I No, but because I have felt like we have to celebrate. And I had this moment, when was it? It was a few Saturdays, I do the Saturday show. It was a few Saturdays ago. And I don't know if it was, I think it was like the first day of spring or whatever it was. And I thought, you know what, we just need to pause for a second because we have been focused on the negative, And rightfully so when you're talking about people who are dying. And people are still dying. But I think it's perfectly fine and fair and nobody should feel guilty about stepping back and going, today we're going to celebrate. Today we're going to celebrate that the vaccination and science and that medical miracle that it's been and it has been, that science is going to allow every Wisconsinite 16 and older to get the vaccination on Monday. We need to celebrate that because we need to recognize those who have done some truly miraculous things over the last year 
I think of it like a war. Like, think of this like our efforts during World War One, World War Two, or whatever. We were all in it from the get-go. We sort of understood what was happening. So the context isn't quite relatable to a degree. But I think whenever you look back on different wars, the efforts that we took to to get the to the result that we achieved, um, all of that con- came with the loss of life. Uh, so everything that we had, like looking at this, like we literally were at war with this virus, we still are. Um, I think you you take the good with the bad. The good is the vaccine that came within you know a, about a year of it a year of it happening. Less than even, but but we lost all those lives in the process, and those sort of. Those cannot be forgotten. I think that the media is look the the media portrayal of this is mostly looked at negative because that's pretty much what it was in the first how many months of this happening. There were no positives. We, we, we didn't know anything about no. it. We didn't know how to necessarily protect ourselves from it. So it was this great unknown that was this dark cloud kind of overshadowing everything that could have gone through it. You know, um, it was something that was constantly like in the back of our minds walking behind us following us until we started getting actual good news on what we could do to fight against it and give us an advantage and when we did get every bit of good news we we we, we sunk we our teeth into it do it please give us just something try and remember you know there was something was it was it well you know what it was it had to have been when the first which company had the first successful trial? When, when it, Pfizer. Yeah, that was Pfizer. Was it Pfizer? When you heard it was in the, the third and final phase, right? I mean, we were, remember we were tracking the phases. Okay, phase one for Pfizer, phase two, phase three. When you got to the third phase, because we, we, were, we were like a sponge, a dry, withered sponge for months, and we were looking to soak up any little droplet of good news if that meant tracking the Pfizer phase of the vaccination. And finally, when you heard that, okay, it got the approval, right, uh, to be distributed. That was another <laughs> droplet uh, that, that we could soak up. So I, I hope people aren't guilty. Uh, sorry, I don't feel guilty about celebrating something like each vaccination achievement here in Wisconsin Monday. Everybody's going to get it or everybody's eligible to get it. Don't feel guilty. But that also doesn't mean you should forget about those who died. I think you can certainly have it in this case. You can have this both ways. Celebrate the achievement. Celebrate the good news, because Lord knows there's been so little of it in the last year. Celebrate what's going to be happening on Monday, while also reflecting, as Kyle said, in a sense of, of thinking of it like a war, reflecting and remembering those who are not here to celebrate with the rest of us come Monday in our state. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, we were just talking about it, where we all were a year ago. We knew what it had done to the job force, right? We knew what it had done to the stock market, and we certainly know what it did for investor confidence. And as we recover... What are you going to do differently from a financial perspective? I'm talking about the plan, the investments. Dave Spano and Steve Scafidi. Dave, of course, Annex Wealth Management. Steve Scafidi, of course, WTMJ, 8.30 till noon. Dave and Steve, this is tomorrow night. We've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks, and it's finally here tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. 
a special webinar called Investing in a Post-COVID World. It's free. It's absolutely free. Easy to do. It's all online. You just open up the uh, screen on your computer. You can do it during your dinner hour. Sit there at the table and watch the uh, webinar. Sit there with your favorite beverage. Don't even have to get dressed up for it. Just wear your sweats. Sit on the couch. Investing in a post-COVID world with Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management and WTMJ's very own Steve Scafidi. Free webinar. It's open to everybody. Originally, there was like a, a, I think we had a number, so many, no, nope. Katie, bar the door. Everybody in. Tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. How do I get there? How do I log in? How do I register? Very easy to do. Go to WTMJ.com. Go to our website. And then you'll see the features page. You click on the features page, and you'll see the information for the webinar hosted by Annex Wealth Management's Dave Spano and WTMJ's Steve Scafidi. As we say, uh, the clock is ticking, though. That is tomorrow night at 6 p.m. So, Okay. Um, I was just looking at the uh, press release that Tony Evers, I almost said Tony Bedock, that Tony Evers put out regarding the news that uh, Monday, everybody 16 and older, will be allowed to be vaccinated in our state. We all we knew all along our COVID-19 vaccination program would be a massive undertaking, and we're proud Wisconsin is currently leading the country in these efforts, and that we're now able to give all Wisconsinites 16 and older the opportunity to get vaccinated. This marks a major milestone in our state's fight against this virus and gets us closer to overcoming this pandemic and bouncing back uh, together. Thank you to all the folks in public health vaccinators and staff helping make this possible. And then there is a database, there's a website uh, on the Wisconsin's Department of Health Services where you can get vaccinated. I'm not going to lie, that's been one of my questions. I I just, I I need it, just give it to me, give it to me in a link. I'll click a link and I can maybe put in my address or my zip code. It'll tell me where I can go and what I can. That's what they've done. The Wisconsin Department of Health Services has done just that. Uh, I'm sure we'll link to it on our website as we cover this story on WTMJ.com. I, Scott, you're so... No, I just give it. Just give me a link. Tell me where to click. Tell me where I can go and get my vaccination. Okay, coming up in the 2 o'clock hour. Do you know what happened 40 years ago today? Maybe for some of you, you're thinking, gosh, has it been 40 years already? 40 years ago today, a very... Somber day for America, a very scary day for the United States. And because I I was not there for it, I'm going to pick the brain of those of you who were and what you were thinking and what you were feeling on this day 40 years ago. Also, if we do have time, Nike is suing the company that is making Satan sneakers. There's another religious element here to the show. I know, I know. Nike, they weren't going to do it initially, but now the blowback is so harsh that even they are going, all right, that's enough. You put what in this? You put blood in the sneakers? Yeah. Satan sneakers are out there. Nike is pushing back. And um, the NFL approved, the owners approved a 17-game schedule. I know 99.9%, well, heck, probably... Who isn't looking forward to a 17-game NFL schedule? Well, the players probably aren't, most of them anyway. So we'll say 99.9% of America is looking forward to it. I have a problem with it. 
and it may just be a Scott Warris individualized problem, but there is something about a 17-game schedule, quirky that I am, that just sticks in my craw. We'll get to that as well. We'll try to get to a great Scott before we're out of here at 3 o'clock. Melissa's up next. She's got the news. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Forty years ago today, March 30th, 1981. Forty years ago today. Do you know what happened? Kyle, you weren't alive. Neither was I. Do you know what happened 40 years ago today? 40 years ago today... Ronald Reagan was shot. 40 years ago today, Ronald Reagan was shot. This is how it uh, was reported. Remember, and you probably have seen the video since then, ABC News, Frank Reynolds, initially assuring the country the president was fine. Mr. Reagan was not hit. He was bounced around as the Secret Service agents uh, maneuvered or flung, I think is probably the right word. Flung him into the car. Seconds later then, and he was on television behind the desk with um, Sam Donaldson. Seconds later, Frank Reynolds had to pivot. Lynn Knopfsicker has told reporters at the hospital that the president was not wounded. He was wounded. My God. He was... The president was hit. He is in stable condition. All this information... The, the president was hit. He was hit in the left chest, according to this, but he is in stable condition. And the typed information I have is that he is okay. Speak up. One shot, stable condition. The president was hit. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Anytime you get a polished news reporter, a polished news anchor to, what would you say, break character or just, that's rare. But you got it right there. Then he's he's yelling to, I don't know, whoever the assistant is off camera, speak up! I can't, you know. Hmm. Of course, confusion spread to the White House where Reagan's Secretary of State, Alexander Haig, spoke with reporters as surgeons worked on the president. Who is making the decisions for the government right now? Who's making the decisions? Constitutionally, gentlemen, you have the president, the vice president, and the Secretary of State in that order. And should the president decide he wants to transfer the helm, to the vice president, he, he will do so. He has not done that. As of now, I am in control here in the White House, pending return of the vice president, and in, in close touch with him. If something came up, I would check with him, of course. Now, of course, you recognize the problem with that, right? Remember? It goes president, vice president, speaker of the House, then the Senate's, uh, the Senate's president pro temp, and then the Secretary of State. So Haig kind of bumped himself up on the list of uh, on the, the list of the line of succession a little bit. That was not the finest moment, obviously. But nonetheless, forty years ago today, and, and to put that in perspective too, remember it was only what about eighteen years, eighteen years after JFK was altogether altogether assassinated. I was not alive forty years ago today. Can I, I just, I'm, I'm curious for those of you who were, and I'm guessing you remember it well. I'm not so much asking my favorite where were you when question, but I just want to know what was going through your mind. I mean, 40 years ago today, the President of the United States was shot. Can you 
are, are you still are, are you uh or were you old enough at the time to to remember what what emotions what thoughts was it a oh my god here we go again not again it, it was that maybe one of the first things that went through your mind 855-616-1620 acunet mortgage talk and text line 855-616-1620 i'd love to if i could just get a, a, a few of you to call in and i just want to pick your brain as to what you were thinking what you were experiencing, what you remember from March 30th, 1981. Obviously, 40 years ago, we were still in the age before information at our fingertips. We were still at a point in time where the information that was released had to come through television or radio primarily before newspaper was printed the next morning. So just... Take me back for a moment at 855-616-1620 because I'm curious what went through your mind. I mean, what was there a was there a sense that the president could die before nightfall today? Was it just shock? Was it panic? Was it fear that we don't know who's in charge right now while Reagan is in surgery? What went what was going through the mindset of Americans on March 30th, 1981? 855-616-1620. What do you remember from that day? Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, 40 years ago today, Reagan was shot, and I just wanted to just kind of get the get the sense of what you remember from that day. What was the feel? Was it panic? Was it fear? I mean, was, did Americans think they had lost another president, what, about 18 years after the last one? It's pretty remarkable stuff. Somebody makes a really good point, uh, actually a couple of you on the text line, that it was a really confusing time. It was really confusing because we were still dealing with John Lennon being killed. And now the president, too? Remember, Lennon was shot and killed on December 8th of 1980. So three, almost four months later, you have Kennedy being shot. Yeah. I was only nine, but it was just after Lennon was killed. These type of shootings of prominent people were more common back then, but I think we figured it was going to be okay, though, because it was reported he was shot and in stable condition. 855-616-1620. I need you to transport those of us who, who were not alive then or were too young to remember anything, just to the, the sense of the nation, the feeling and the mindset of the United States on this date in 81. Michael's in Oak Creek. Hey, Michael, how are you? Okay, I guess. Okay, take me back to this date in '81. What was? What were you feeling? What do you remember? What was the? What was the feel across the, the vibe, as it were, in in this country? I think people got the information that Reagan was going to be all right, even though mm. it was close to his heart, and it was the press secretary that uh, really was in the news, and Alexander Haig. Uh, he uh, said he was in charge of the government. And, right. Uh, but others said he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. For, think, yeah. 
I don't think people really sensed any fear, even though Reagan had been shot. They said it's close to his heart. I think the way the news presented everything, I don't think people worried about him. I think they thought he's simply going to be okay. Hmm. That's interesting. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate the memory. Um, Yeah, a few of you on the text line have said as much the same. the fact that a lot of the news clips where he was shot, but he's in stable condition, as opposed to he's been shot, we don't know his condition, which obviously then allows speculation to run rampant and worry and things like that. Yeah, he mentions uh, James, uh, is it, uh, Jim Brady, right? Yeah, James Brady, the secretary, a uh, press secretary. He was shot. He was paralyzed. He passed away, by the way, in 2014. Um, they named the press briefing room in the White House the James uh brady press room yeah he was the one that ultimately uh suffered the most right certainly many of you who were maybe in school at the time remembered uh for example that it happened when i was in school and i didn't find out till i got home and i was upset i was upset that i was not told about it 13 years old or so and we weren't told in school other side of the of the coin, so to speak, is that somebody says, I was in the eighth grade, and the principal addressed the whole school over the PA system to inform us what had happened. Hmm. 920, it happened so fast, and it's amazing how fast Secret Service acted, right, or reacted. Deep concern for the president, and obviously, the, and you can still see the footage. Like you can go to YouTube right now and see James Brady having been shot uh, in the head, mind you, uh, laying there on the sidewalk. It like it all played out in video on video. Hmm. Yeah, Joe talks about the confusion that was there. I was a freshman, somebody says, in high school. Eighth period. See, it's, people remember that. Eighth period, our principal came on the PA to announce the news, I guess, uh, here at Marquette High School. We all stopped what we were doing to pray. Very confusing few hours right after that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, especially with, uh, with Haig saying what he did. What I remember was there were a couple of Secret Service men assisting the president into the vehicle, uh, then the shots, and then there were like you know a hundred some personnel with about a hundred drawn weapons protecting him. The feeling was that the president would be okay. That came out rather promptly. So the sense I'm getting, and just from the call and a handful of texts, is that maybe the fear and the worry—well, maybe there was worry—but but the true fear that they had lost another president 18 years after the last one was assassinated was not as palpable as I might have imagined it to be, because there were some initially positive reports. However, as a savvy texter does say, the the gravity of the wounds was not necessarily revealed until after the surgery. Yeah, it turned out to be a little more serious than was initially reported, but those initial reports did seem to calm some of those initial fears. Does it feel like 40 years ago? Some of you nodding your heads. Does it feel like 40 years ago today that Ronald Reagan was shot so was James Brady, obviously. And um, to think now, it's been 
40 years since. It's a tip of the cap to the Secret Service. All those little things, all the security levels, all the tiny little steps that are taken to protect our commander-in-chief that we have no idea goes on. If they're just making a trek across town, right? Making a trek across town, all the layers, all the steps, all the things to protect a president of the United States. Thank God it's been 40 years since the last time anything like this happened, and let's hope for at least 40 years more. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We have some details on Thursday's opening day. But 12,000 people, is that what they're looking at, I think, or so? Here are some of the details about opening day. Uh, There will be a moment of silence. The players and fans will observe a moment of silence before the anthem in honor of Brewers players lost this year, including Hank Aaron, Don Sutton, and um, Audrey Keene. Audrey Keene, uh, who had been the uh, widow of Harvey Keene, former manager, of course. So there will be a moment of silence. Then the anthem will be performed by 12-year-old Liamani Segura. I think people know who that girl is, right? She's the well, she's not that she's 12 now, which is still a little girl, but it's not quite as she'll sing the national anthem. She's performed at the ballpark before. You may have not known her name, but she's oh, the little girl with a big voice. So she'll be singing. She's done it think for a women's final four championship game once and her, her family's health care worker so there's a good little tie in there all right who's going to throw out the first pitch who is going to throw out the first pitch if you had to guess kyle who would you say throws out the ceremonial first pitch at uh, this year's home opener for the brewers it's one person we don't have like the the group of three or four people okay well all right i will answer it is indeed a group Okay, I, I it think is a group of people. I think they're going to have some sort of either first responders or people working in the medical field. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't think of any like local celebrities no. that would be. So I think that's my that's my safe guess. You, uh, your safe guess is a correct guess. The uh, opening pitch will highlight Aurora healthcare heroes across the state for their continued efforts to patient care during a global pandemic. To start the season, here's the twist, to start the season, ceremonial first pitches will take place across Wisconsin. Oh, featuring fans throwing pitches at their favorite locations and be played on the scoreboard. The fans will be invited to be in the stands that game. So it'll highlight healthcare heroes on opening day, and then as we get into the rest of the season, it'll be kind of like... uh, there could be you, Kyle. Yeah, so I could go to the park and throw yeah. out a first pitch, and there we go. Let's play ball. You could, you could go. Don't even go to the park. Just go to your backyard. Just go to back, go to the backyard. Say, honey, move back uh, farther, farther. No, you got to be sixty feet six inches. Okay, stop. And then you just throw the pitch and film it on camera. Next thing you know, you're on the jumbotron and you're throwing out a first pitch. That's how they're going to do it there. All right. Let's see. Is there anything other? What about the famous racing sausages? To start the season, I'm reading this for the first time, the cherished sausage race will be 
pre-recorded on the field and shown on the scoreboard during each game in the middle of the sixth. The sausages will also be in the ballpark to cheer themselves along during the games. Why can't the sausages run like normal? Why can't they run like normal? Hmm. What's the deal there? Why not? To start the season, the cherished sausage race will be pre-recorded. Why? Let them run. Let them run. Let them run. They're in the sausage suit. I mean, is it because you can't distance? A sausage can't be distanced if they're racing against one another on the warning track. Is that the reason why? I don't know. Okay. Well, that's a little disappointing. What else? Anything else to be disappointed about? No, I guess not. John Mercure, Melissa Barclay, Greg Matzik. They'll have a preview next.